Thank you, Sulin, for sharing with us. Um, praise God. Uh, the church is beautiful, but also the church is ugly at times. Um, but um, God uses all of that to do great things. Amen? Can you look at someone and say, I'm so happy you're here. If you want to take a step of faith and say, I love you, can you do that? All right. All right. Put your seatbelt on. We're going to be here for at least an hour, Sulin says. Fun, fun, fun. Um, Yesterday, I was with a bunch of our harvesters up in Birmingham, Alabama, for the wedding of our, one of our former youth directors, uh, Kenneth Cook, who is soon to be driving down with his new bride. So uh, if you don't know Kenny and Jenna, here's a picture of them. Hey, this happened about 21 hours ago. Um, actually, there's a time change, so it was plus or minus an hour. Um, but that's them. Look how happy he is, um, how happy she is. It was an amazing Amazing day, amazing celebration, but less than an hour before this, um, this is what happened. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the same event could evoke such different emotions? Like one, yeah, I'm so happy, and two, I'm so sad that I'm getting married. It's a crazy thing. Probably not why he's crying. I'm sure it's not. Um, There are a lot of emotions going on. Um, It was a glorious time. But sometimes uh, when it comes to issues of singleness in marriage, as Kenneth crossed the line from being a single man to becoming a married man, crossed the line from singlehood, singleness into marriage, there are a lot of emotions that come along with it. And if you listen to what people are saying, it's not hard to be confused. In fact, you know, if you're a single person, there's some people who love their singlehood. My, my goodness, this is awesome. Like, I have so much freedom. Nobody's telling me what to do. Nobody's, like, telling me where my money ought to go. Nobody's telling me what to do with my time. I can get up and go and hang out with my friends whenever I want to. Singlehood is awesome. Anyone like that? Like, you're single and you're loving it? Nobody? Okay. A couple of us in here. Awesome. There are other voices that tell us, oh my gosh, singleness, singlehood, being single is terrible, right? It's the worst thing ever. Like, I haven't found my better half, and therefore I'm only half of who I'm supposed to be. I'm so incomplete. I'm going to be a bachelor till the rapture, and you feel like you're just enduring this until finally someone comes into your life. We are sad in our singleness. Who's sad in their singleness? Again, nobody. Excellent. We're doing great. Then when it comes to marriage, it's a completely different story, but there's the same similar kind of confusion. There's some people who say marriage is the greatest thing in the world. We have a few people who've been married. Uh, if you got married last year or this year, okay, so uh, Carlton and Adriana and Brian and Jamie and Sirkin and, and Duty and others, um, how's marriage? Is marriage going okay? Oh, my thumbs up, right? Okay, peace, two thumbs up, Okay. So some people think marriage is amazing. It's awesome. It's like the greatest thing. It's everything that people said it was going to be. And then there's others who say, well, you know what? Marriage isn't all that. Like, it's a ball and chain. Ain't nobody want to do that. My freedom's going to get restricted. I can't have my man cave. I can't do what I want to do. There's a great theologian, Harvest resident theologian named Charles Lee. (laughs) Charles Lee comes up with this quote. And at every wedding that he's at, 
where I officiate, he says, DL, you didn't say it. He said there's four rings that come in every marriage. First is the engagement ring. Second is the wedding ring. Third is the suffering. <laughs> and fourth is the boxing ring. Uh, that's what one theologian, the great Charles H. Lee, says. So what do you do? who do you believe? I think if you listen to all the cues of the world, I think there's one conclusion that we come to. It's complicated. It's confusing. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Which is better, being single, being married? What is it? And if we listen to what everyone else is saying, we'll end up being completely and utterly confused. For the next seven weeks, I want to talk about and try to take this complicated thing and make it as uncomplicated as possible by trying to clear out the other voices that are telling us other things and then to just hear what the Word of God says about issues like singleness and marriage and sex uh, and dating and, and all these kinds of romantic relationships which our, our culture and even within the church, there's so much premium and so much value placed on it, but a lot of times we do it and we err on the side of going beyond what the Bible says or sometimes even going contrary to what the Bible says. So I want to help clear up some, some, uh, uh, some complications and, and confusion by looking into the Word of God. And today I just want to kind of do a flyover, a big picture view as it relates to two things, singleness and marriage. What does the Bible say about it? I think it's important for us to know because married people, we got to understand this. Single people obviously got to understand it because I think it's especially there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be single. Sometimes we put the single people in an in inferior class as if, hey, all the pairs come over here and then all the spares can go over there. Kind of treat single people in that way. And I want to show from Scripture that when we've done that, we've done a great disservice to our single people, to the Word of God, and to everything uh, that we're trying to be as a church of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we want to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7 was written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church called the Corinthian Church, uh, located in a city called Corinth. Uh, Corinth was a city that was swimming in immorality, especially when it comes to their sexuality. There was religions that mixed sexuality and spirituality together, that's saying that some parts of your worship involved uh, having sex with temple prostitutes. It was just a, a completely weird and whacked out city. And in the midst of that kind of a culture, the Apostle Paul starts this church and he was there with them for a couple years and then he left that church behind in order to go start other churches. And as you can imagine, in the absence of a full-time resident teacher there, the church in Corinth started believing these weird things and these weird teachings started to infiltrate their culture as it relates to sex and singleness and marriage. And so they tracked Paul down. They wrote him a letter and said, we got all these questions. We don't understand what's going on and how we're supposed to live. And the response to these questions is 1 Corinthians, the letter. In the particular questions that they're asking as it relates to singleness and marriage, we find the answer in chapter 7, Paul's response to it. So we're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to read verses 25 through 28. Okay? This is God's word uh, for God's people. It says, now for the matters you wrote about, okay, it's good for a man not to marry. Interesting, right? But since there's so much immorality, talking about sexual immorality, he said each man should have his own wife, not many wives, but one, and each woman her own husband, right? Because the sexual desire was so strong, and people were using that in illegitimate ways. So he said, because of the immorality, it's better for you to just have one wife, one husband. If you're a man, a wife. If you're a woman, a husband. 
A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, meaning sexual relations to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. Um, the wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. The same way the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Uh, do not deprive each other, except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again. Talking about, again, sexually, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. When he, He's going to talk a lot about, I'm not commanding this, I'm just saying this as my opinion. Basically, because it's the Word of God, it is a command, but he's saying, I'm not deriving this as a direct quotation from the Old Testament. That's what he's saying when he says, I'm not commanding. I say this as a concession. Verse 7, I wish that all men were as I am, meaning single, but each man has his own gift from God. Right? One has this gift, another has that. Not to the unmarried and the widows, to the single people, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Then jump down to verse 25. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord. Again, meaning I'm not quoting from the Old Testament, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, again, meaning this like sexual explosion, uh, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. If you're single, stay. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Praise God. This is the word of God. So what is he saying here about singleness and marriage? Three thoughts here. It's pretty simple. Just want to, again, uh, big picture stuff. The first thing is that both singleness and marriage are good gifts from a good God. Okay, this in itself could be mind-blowing. Because some of you are thinking, how could this be the station I'm in right now? Single, I'm ready to mingle, but ain't nobody coming my way. I'm single, how could this be a good gift from a good God? And if you're married and you don't like it, how could this be a gift from God? Well, it's interesting because uh, let, me, let me take a field trip with you through the Old Testament. Not really a field trip, but just a quick stop. Old Testament, New Testament, and then we'll come to where we are here. In the Old Testament... God created man, said, it ain't good for you to be alone. So he brought woman out of him, and they got married, and the command that God gave was be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Multiply means you go uh, two people, and they have babies, and then more kids come, more people come, and they spread throughout the earth. There is a part, a line item in our budget as a church called the Genesis Fund. That means if you multiply, right, two times two equals four. If a family, if a couple has four children, then there's a budget set aside for you to go to Europe because you have fulfilled the command of Genesis, okay? So some of you are one set of quadruplets away from fulfilling this and getting a trip to Europe. But this was a command, be fruitful and multiply. That was the great commandment from the very beginning. That was a commission, be fruitful and multiply, because this is how the kingdom of God is built. People made in the image of God, so little people who look like God spread out throughout the world, and people see, wow, this is what it looks like for the kingdom to expand. The one command given to them, be fruitful and multiply. And so that was the command. In the Old Testament, then, it's better to be married than it is to be single because you want to fulfill this command. Okay, it's pretty simple. That's why in the Old Testament, you see this throughout the Old Testament, the two worst things that you could be is one, unmarried, and two, if you're married, 
uh, as a woman to be barren, to be unable to bear children, because you could not fulfill this commandment to be fruitful and to multiply. Right? So you see this throughout the Old Testament. It's better to be married than to be single simply because of the fact that you can fulfill the commandment that God gave in the garden to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? So single people were looked down upon uh, and married people were praised because they had the ability to fulfill this command. Very simple. Get to the New Testament and all of a sudden for the first time, okay, for the first time, and I will, I will say Christianity was the only re first religion, I should say, the first religion to elevate singlehood to a status on equal level as marriage. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says he hails the beauty of marriage and talks about how it's permanent, it's eternal, it's unconditional. And then at the end of this section in verse 11, he says, not everyone could accept this, but only those to whom it's been given. For some are eunuchs, meaning they cannot get married because they were born that way. Okay, that means that they don't have the ability to reproduce. Others were made that way by men, and check this out, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So check out what's happening here. In the Old Testament, it was you want to be married because then you can fulfill the command of God to build this kingdom by being fruitful and multiplying. In the New Testament then, he's saying it is just as good to be single. Why? He then says for the same kingdom that was talked about in the Old Testament, it's better to be married. Wow, all of a sudden Jesus is saying, yeah, it's awesome to be married, but it's also awesome to be single because then you can live for the sake of the kingdom of God. Wow. Because in the New Testament, the commandment isn't simply be fruitful and multiply. Right? In the New Testament, the commandment is to be fruitful and multiply disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And a lot of times it's the single people who are able to do that better than the married folks. What Paul is saying, what, I'm sorry, what Jesus is saying is marriage is a gift, absolutely. In fact, it says in Proverbs, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But then he says in the New Testament, Jesus says, but it's also as great a gift to be single. So for all of us, who look down on our singlehood, or who look down on single people. Let Jesus allow us to be corrected in that flawed and faulty and quite dangerous thinking that says that if you're not single, then you're somehow incomplete. He's still single. Oh, really? What's wrong with him? <laughs> he must be a pastor or a missionary. Or he must have commitment issues, must have some kind of a phobia, must not have a job, right? That's what we say sometimes. But what Paul is saying, what, okay, well, what Jesus is saying, and then fast forward to Paul. He says, hey, check it. Now for the uh, matters you wrote about, it's good for a man not to marry. All of a sudden, Paul is, he's not saying that out of theory. Hey, I'm married. I've been married for all these years. Marriage is great. But hey, for y'all out there, <laughs> it's good for you not to marry because you could be more mobile for the kingdom. He's not saying that. He said, I, as a single person, I'm not talking theoretically. I'm talking practically out of my own life. It's good. I'm cool. I ain't married. I'm cool. That's what he's saying. It's good for you not to marry. And then he says at the end of this whole package, he says, you know what? Those who marry you will face many troubles in this life. Hey, you got tied, you got locked down by all these other things. It's good for you not to marry. All of a sudden, what Paul is doing is echoing what Jesus is saying. 
He's revising the Old Testament code to say it's not about being fruitful and multiplying. It's for the sake of the kingdom. Right? This is why you're still single, although you've been ready to be married for a long time, waiting for a gift, wondering when the gift is going to come. He's saying, you've got your gift right now. The question is, do we see that or do we not? Here's why we often, can I tell you why we don't see either marriage or singleness as a gift? I'll tell you why. This is one of the, 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 for me, the best diagnostics in my heart. Tim Keller said, if you idolize something, you're going to demonize the opposite of it. Okay? So understand this. Why are Republicans, don't see d- Democrats as simply disagreeing people. We see them as the enemy. Because we idolize our ideology, not we, because Republicans idolize that ideology so that the other ideology gets demonized. In the same way, Democrats hate Republicans. It's not just we're on opposite sides of the spectrum. It's these guys are the devil. Because we idolize something, we demonize the other. So check this out. How do you know that you've got an idol in your heart? Because the opposite we will tend to demonize. So if you idolize marriage, you'll never see singleness as a gift. You'll see it as something from the devil. Maybe, you know, it's God's holding out on me because I haven't been faithful to him. No, 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 no. That's not what God is saying. That's not what the word of God is saying. If you idolize marriage, then you're going to demonize singleness. And for those of us who idolize singleness, you're going to demonize marriage. I don't want to get married. I'm gonna, I don't want to give up my freedom. I'm just going to shack up with, the, with my man or with my woman. I'm not going to get married because I don't want to be tied down like that. This is what we do, right? Because when you idolize something, you demonize the other. Two kinds of people in this world. I'm not talking about single and married. I'm talking about the iPhone people and the Samsung people or the iPhone people and the non-iPhone people. We can't get along with each other. There are some chat groups where if you've all got an iPhone, it shows up blue. And if one person doesn't have an iPhone, it shows up green. And the iPhone people get really upset, don't we? Oh, my gosh, get on the iPhone train. What is wrong with you? Because there's iPhone people and then there's non-iPhone people. We can't just coexist. We demonize them. You can't possibly see the other one as having an actual gift. Why can't we see it for what it is? They're both great phones and both of them are a great gift. Hey. You go Mac, you can't go back, right? <laughs> and then if you go, God forbid you go from iPhone to a Galaxy, then people are like, oh, my gosh. Not like, you, oh, you did something. You st- I can't believe you. You're such a traitor. I can't believe you did that. You stabbed all of us blue texting people in the back. Now it's going to be green. What's wrong with you? Right? Because when you idolize something, you demonize its opposite. This is what we do. And for a lot of us, we have a very difficult time seeing either singleness or marriage as the gift that it is that comes from the hand of a good, good father because we're idolizing one or the other. He says, no, 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 in each season of life, it's a gift to you because there's something that needs to be done within that season, maybe for the sake of the kingdom, maybe for the sake of your own heart, so that when you get to that other stage, other season of life, you will be prepared for it. But it's not a curse for you to be in the place where you are. When I was in high school, um, my weakest subject was chemistry. AP chemistry kicked my tail. 
Like, I was doing okay for the first semester, stoichiometry, all that stuff. But then when the second semester rolled around, it's just, man, I, I just got swept up by this, like, swept under this tidal wave. And it, all this stuff started building up on each other, and I couldn't figure it out. And so it just, it rocked my world. It was the lowest grade I got in high school. I got an A minus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got, like, a C, and I got, like, a yeah, something like that. And it was really bad, really, really bad. And so I was going to drop out of AP chemistry into something else. But my teacher said, no, I just come get tutoring and all that stuff. And, and I did. And I pulled it up to like a B or something like that. But sometime during that year when I was struggling with chemistry, it might have been the year after, I forgot when it was, my brother gave me a gift. And this is my second favorite book in my home. This is my favorite book. But the second favorite book that my brother gave to me, well, he gave me this chemistry book, a modern course. Do you think I was happy when I got this? Like when I'm like, being overcome by Stephen Zumdahl's chemistry book from the University of Illinois that we're using for AP Chem. And I get this chemistry, a modern course. I'm like, why in the world would you give me this? He's like, just, just take it, look at it, open it up. I was like, no, I hate chemistry. This is, bringing, this is like my worst nightmare. It's bringing me all kinds of trauma and all kinds of bad memories. I'm going to need healing and counseling from this. Why would you give this to me? He said, it's a gift. Just open it up. So I opened it up and... I hope I'm not going to get arrested. This is like many, many years ago, so I think it's too late. But this book is the property of South Lakes High School. <laughs> if I get caught by administration, I will give this back immediately. Joshua Seeley had this, Mrs. Armel, Chemistry by Robert Smoot, the preface, 1983 edition. Right? Nobody wants this anymore, right? It's terrible. Look at this. Look at this beautiful table of contents here. I was like, why in the world would you give me this? How is this supposed to be a gift to me? And then he said, keep turning and keep turning. And as I began to open up the gift, I realized that he had hollowed out the inside of it. And he said, you know how you've been looking for a place to store all of your valuable stuff, all of your secret private stuff? This is it. Nobody will ever think to steal a chemistry book. No one would ever look in here. This is where you can put your $2 bills, where you can put your money, your half dollars, your $100 bills. You can put all of your stuff, your social security card. So I put it in here, and after a while, this was filled with all of my most precious possessions. And the one thing that I dreaded so much ended up being one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received. Wow. Don't laugh at me. Could it be that the gift of singleness that we often despise, that we look at with such disdain, that brings such terrible memories to our hearts, could actually be the gift of God for you right now, filtered through the hands of a God who is good not a gift from an enemy who wants to rob you of joy. Don't confuse God's desire to fulfill your life with his mandate to fulfill your wishes. Because what God gives to us is the best thing. And the question is, do we believe? Because what we think about the state of life in which we are in is an indication of what we believe about the God who gave these gifts to us. That's the first thing. Both of these are good. Second thing we see is that one of these is not better than the other. So don't neglect your gift by longing for the other. Paul says, verse 6 at the end of it, he said, I wish all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God, 
One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried, as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. And then it says in verse 26, I think it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. What is he saying? He's saying one gift is not better than the other, so don't spend your life and neglect your gift because you're longing for another. I know so many people. You know know people who are like this, right? Who are constantly longing for the other gift that they do not have. I know married people who are like that. They might not come. Well, some of them will come out and say it. It's called a divorce. I'm married, but hey, check it. Paul said it too. Many troubles in this life. Some people are married and they want to be single. They feel like they've got the ball and chain around them. They feel like they're in the boxing ring every day of their lives and they long for the other gift. And Paul's saying, hey, 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 if you're married, stay in that situation right? because this is the gift of God for you. I know it's not, one is not better than the other, but where you are right now is where God's called you to be. There are others who maybe it's not, I don't want to go to divorce, definitely not. But you think in your mind, you wonder, maybe if I had married somebody else. And you're longing for a different situation in life because you cannot embrace the gift that God has given to you and you're neglecting it because you're longing for something else. Maybe there's others. I remember a time when Olivia, uh, after many years of being married and and after having had three kids, uh, one day she left all the kids with somebody, maybe with me, and then she went out with her friend, her single friend, to eat pho. And as they were eating pho, Olivia was like, ah, this is so good. I forgot what pho tastes like when it's hot. Because after all these years of having to cut the pho noodles for her kids, by the time she ate herself, it was no longer hot. And the the single person was like, wow, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Because there's certain things. You think Olive loves eating her pho cold? I don't think so. There's probably times where we wish that we were in a different season of life than where we are now. There are times where I wish I was single, not because of anything against Olivia, but there are times where I just want to, man, there's a, there's a mission trip going here. There's a thing going here. There's a need out there in, in, in China. There's, I just want to get up and go. I want to spend a month out there. I want to do stuff like that, but, but I can't do it. And a lot of times I have to catch myself because I realize I can't neglect. This is the, this is the gift of God for me. On the other hand, it, it happens when you're single and you're longing to be married. You're wondering when your season is going to come. And a lot of times we're neglecting the gift of the present season because we're pining for the gift of another season. I know in your mind you're giving mental assent to the fact that singleness and marriage are both the same in their equal, uh, in terms of their gifts. One is not better than the other. But you secretly think in your mind that if you're single, that marriage is an upgrade. Right? Don't we feel like that? But what Paul is saying here is, no, it's not. It's not. Because there's a gift that you have in your singleness that married people do not have. There's a, the gift, of, and we'll see this next week as we kind of unpack this deeper, but the two primary things he talks about here is you can give undivided service to God as a single person that you can't do when you're married because you're looking after the affairs of other people. You've got to think for two and sometimes more, and not just for one person. The other thing is you could give unhindered devotion to Jesus. Man, if there's one thing that I wish that 
that I could tell to single people who are wasting all of their time playing video games and watching movies and watching videos is, is, hey, when you get married, you don't have that kind of time. If you're going to keep on living that single lifestyle when you get married, then you're not going to end up married, uh, being married very long because the issues of a single man or woman are going to be the issues of a married person. You can't stay in the situation. that So you've got to build these habits into your life right now because who you are now is, is an indication of who you're going to be when you've got somebody else. And we've got a lot of boys trying to become men, chasing after women, but when, they, but when they get them, they don't know what to do with it. He's saying there's certain gift of this season in life that you need to embrace, certain habits, because a lot of times we waste the gift of the present season because we're longing for an upgrade, which may or may not be true. So here you are, you get the new iPhone X or the newest Samsung, whatever it is, that folds flat into it, whatever, whatever, whatever. You've got this new thing that your friend gave to you. Your friend is like, dude, this is, this is like the best thing that I could think of to get you. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this is awesome. But you know what? I, I know how these phones work. Next year, is going to be the iPhone 12 and the next generation of Galaxy. I'm, this is cool, but I'm just going to kind of leave it here because I'm going to be waiting for my upgrade. And so here we are looking on the Internet to try and find, like, uh, leaked pictures or leaked videos of the new phone that's coming out, like, two years later. And we're longing for that upgrade when all of a, uh, the whole time we've got this amazing gift in front of us. And our friend is saying, hey, 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 how's that phone? How's that phone working out for you? And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, that thing, I hate that thing. I can't wait for the upgrade. I can't wait for the next one to come out. Yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm just enduring. I'm just patiently enduring, patiently waiting. I'm praying for the new one to come out, just praying for that new one to come out. And we neglect the gift that we have in front of us. And can I tell you something, married folks? We are complicit in this because we create this caste system that says, you're not married? Why not? You don't want to get married? Oh, you do. Something wrong with you. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And, and, and we hear it a lot from our parents too. Wow, you're how old now and you're still not married? That's not the voice of love and the voice of God. It may be their love, but it's not the voice of biblical love. If Jesus came into our church and he wanted to be a pastor at a lot of our churches, hey, let's look at his resume. He had 12 disciples who went and changed the world. He preached the greatest sermon ever recorded in history. It was on a mountain. He didn't even have a microphone. He spoke to like thousands of people. He gave 5,000 people food when there was no food. He speaks with authority that nobody else has. Like everyone in the temple says he's like, this guy's baller. He's like crazy. He's amazing. Yeah, what's his family like? Um, you don't list his family. I think he's single. Yeah. How old is he? He's 33. Ah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let's go to the next resume. Because we think somehow being single is like a disease, the only antidote for which is marriage. And that's antithetical to the teaching of Scripture. Hey, there's another resume. Hey, I think we should get this guy. This guy started all these churches. Oh, he did? What's his name? His name is A.Paul. Okay. What, what, he started the church in Corinth. 
Corinth and Ephesus and, and Philippi and Galatia, church planter, missionary. Guy. Barnabas wrote him a recommendation. This guy's bald. What's his family like? Oh, he's single too. How old is he? Oh, he, I don't know if that picture makes him look bald. He's got a beard and he's balding, so he must be like in his 40s. Or and he still ain't married. What's wrong with him? We can't hire this guy. There's something wrong <laughs> when we think that singleness is a time of waiting for an upgrade to marriage when that's not what the Word of God is telling us. Wow. Crazy stuff, isn't it? But that's what we see here. Both singlehood and marriage are gifts. One is not better than the other. And there's a gift that we have right now. That's the second thing. Third thing that we see. Third thing. God's best gift for you right now is a gift you now have in your hands. God's best gift for you is a gift that you've got right now in your hands. If you're single, that's God's best gift for you, right? If you're married, that's God's best gift for you right now. It may change in a year. It may change tomorrow. It may change sometime later. Um, And again, we're flying over this right now. We're going to unpack this in the weeks to come. There is a good gift. There are two good gifts when it comes to singleness and marriage. One is not better than the other, but there is a best. What is God's best for you right now, the gift that you've got right now? And a lot of times it's really hard for us to believe. But really in our heart of hearts, the question in Corinthians is not, hey, are you single or are you married? The question is, hey, you've got a gift. Are you content with the gift that God has given to you? Because so many of us are putting unnecessary pressure on our hearts, on our lives, and on our people to be something that they were not meant to be and to squander the gift of where they are right now because we have them thinking about a gift that is not theirs to have at this present moment. The question is, do we believe that what God has for us right now is the best? I have a little daughter who's uh, just turned five years old named Elise, and she likes playing. She likes to play. Uh, And one day she had set up this little shop, this grocery store with all kinds of toy food around and her dolls and some clothes and a bunch of, like, weird trinkets that were around. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, come shopping in my store. So I said, okay. And she's like, here, go get your shopping cart and come. And when you put everything in your cart, come to the cash register and you can check out and I'll take your money. <laughs> so I said, I don't need to use real money, right? And she's like, no, no, no. So I started filling up my shopping cart with all these things I want. I put a couple of her dolls in there, a couple of her stuffed animals, some bananas, some, some pizza, from bur- some burgers. And, and I went to the checkout and I said, all right, ma'am, I'm all done. I would like to check out. Do you take credit card? She says, yes, I do. And so... Uh, she started like punching these things into uh, her cash register, ching, 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 ching. And then she's putting some of my items from the shopping cart into a grocery bag so that I can take it. That's, like, that's really nice of you, putting it into, and then other things she's just setting aside behind her, like her baby doll and the stuffed animal. I was like, ma'am, can I get those in a bag also? She said, no, you can't have those. I said, were they not part of the market? Were they not part of the, I wanted those. I put them in my shopping cart. I would like to take those with me. And she said, no, you can't get those. I said, how can you do that to a person? This is not like, this is, you go to Target and you want to get something. Do they say, oh, no, I, I want to keep this? And this is what she said to me. She said, you get what you get and you don't get upset. 
in the world is that? You get what you get and you don't get upset. I, there's some TV show that says that, right? Um, I don't know. But that's what you get what you get and you don't get upset. I said, that's terrible. How, what kind of customer service is it? I'm going to Publix, man. Shopping is a pleasure, at least over there. Shoot. You get what you get and you don't get upset. And I think that's what a lot of times we think God is saying to us about the gift that we have right now. God, I really, I really didn't want to be married right now, but uh, my parents made me do it. Or, hey, uh, I didn't realize that uh, she snored so much, so maybe I can return her and get a different one. Is, is that cool? And you get what you get and you don't get upset. But, God, I'm... I, I really thought by, the, by, by this time that I was going to be married, I really would like to be married. I, I want a wonderful man or I want a wonderful woman with whom to, to do life together. You get what you get and you don't get upset. But I put marriage in the shopping cart. No! <laughs> a lot of times that's what we think. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that if he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, that he will not also give you good gifts when it is the appropriate time to do so? Do you understand that the gift that you have right now in your hands is the best gift of God for your life? Because a lot of times we misunderstand and we think the gift is for our pleasure alone. You will be in a world of hurt and shock and awe when you come to realize that marriage, oh my goodness, does not always enhance my happiness. Maybe God's prescription for marriage was not for you to be happy, but for you to be holy. Maybe there's a greater aim and a greater purpose. Maybe the greatest aim in life is not our pleasure. Maybe the ultimate goal of life is not that we get married. If it were, can I tell you something? Then Jesus and Paul would be two of the greatest failures in this life. They didn't get married. Maybe the greatest goal of life isn't to end up married to somebody. And maybe that's not the best thing for us to have. 1 Corinthians 1031, amongst many messages that Corinthians portrays to us, it says in verse 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I think if this came at the end of chapter 7, this is what Paul could say. So whether you're single or married, do it all for the glory of God. What does that mean? It means if you're married, your marriage pictures the gospel. It's eternal. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you messed up. I'm out of here. No, it's long-suffering. It is forever until death do us part. That's how you glorify God in your marriage. It's when you lay down your life in sacrifice for the other. It's when you don't think about someone else to be a replacement for your spouse. It's when you don't look to someone else to meet the emotional needs of your heart. It's when you're willing to lay down your life and submit and sacrifice. Even when it doesn't seem like things are going well, you choose to love them and you choose to give thanks to God for them. You pray for them because you know that this is how you grow in your love for your spouse. That people look at your marriage and they say, man, I see the glory of God in those people and I want to know the God who is in the center of their marriage. That's what it means. That's why you're married and that's why it's a gift to you. Not enduring until the end. Sometimes we feel like when we've been there 10,000 years, like that feels like your marriage. Like we've been in this forever. Like when is Jesus going to come? That's no way to honor God through your marriage. It's not. As a single person, it means in your singleness that you are so captivated by Jesus that when people look at you in your singleness, they see the glory of God. There is a man, there is a woman who is content in their singleness because they love Jesus above all other things. They're not 
putting pressure on a once or future marriage to become something that it was never meant to be. When you put all of your eggs in the basket of marriage to keep you happy and satisfied, that marriage is going to fall apart because it was never meant to handle the weight that only your marriage to Jesus Christ is supposed to handle. Both singles and married, we find our identity not in who we have on our arm, not who we're taking pictures with at a wedding. We find our identity in that future wedding that is to come where Jesus Christ, the single man for all of his life, will one day say at the end of it all, I do to his bride, the church. And he say that to you and to me. He chooses us. And he says, find your identity in this that I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is who you are. You don't need the love of a man or a woman or anything else in this life in order to find you or to tell you who you are or who your worth is or what your value is. You find that fastened at the cross of Jesus Christ where one perfect man saw you, loved you in your brokenness and loved you in order that you and I might become beautiful. Right? This is the good news of Christ for the married and for the singles. And we need to understand this. We need to embrace this. As single people, you got to embrace the gift that is right now. Maybe for some of you, the reason you're still single is because this season is how you can maximize your life for the glory of God because you're killing it for the kingdom of God. And God is doing amazing things through your life. And maybe you feel in your mind, I am deeply content. Maybe you feel deeply discontent, but maybe because for the sake of the kingdom, God is keeping you in this place in order that you might be the best person that you can be, and you are the best person right now for the kingdom of God in your singleness. Maybe for others of you who are single, it's not because you're killing it for the kingdom. Maybe you're, you're single and you're complaining all the time. Maybe, can I tell you, if you're not a happy single person, you're not going to be a happy married person. Marriage doesn't cure your single issues. It exposes your lonely issues, your single issues. And so if you're not happy now, we got, and, and this is your period of preparation, if you're longing for that next gift, prepare your heart, prepare yourself in order that you might begin to find your deepest joy in Jesus because you ain't got it right now, you ain't gonna have it then, at least not through your spouse. We're longing for a grass that we think is greener, but go eat pho with Olivia and ask her if it's always better that way. It's not, even when she's married to someone like me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was not on the script, right? But that we would honor God, right? Whether in our singleness or in our marriage, that when people look at us, they don't say, wow, what a beautiful couple, what a beautiful woman, what a beautiful man, but they say, what a beautiful God, that they would say that about us because we find our great joy and contentment in the gift that we're holding right now that comes from a good and perfect father. Let's pray together. As we uh, pray, let's uh, spend a moment to reflect. What gift do you now hold in your hands? And there's only two gifts right now that's offered to you. If you're married, hey, you got the gift of marriage. Congrats. <laughs> if you're not married, hey, you got the gift of singleness. Congrats. Right? Two gifts, that's it. If you're single, don't act like you're married. If you're married, don't act like you're single. Honor God where you are. Let's pray to God. Lord, help me. In a moment, we're going to sing a song uh, that sings about God's goodness. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. Simply because I know Jesus Christ 
I'm blessed beyond the curse. Everything I need in Christ. Let's give thanks to God if you're single. Let's thank God for the gift of singleness. God, I want to love you. I want to love you more and more. I want my greatest joy to be in you. I want people to see me as a content, Christ-contented single. If you're married, let's thank God for the gift of our husband, our wife. Thank you, God, that you blessed me with them. I don't always love him or her the way that I want to, but thank you that they're making me more like Jesus. They expose the sin in me through their own sin or through their goodness. It helps me to see that I need Jesus more so that we would picture the glory of God. Can we pray like that? Sing our gift right now as a good gift from a good father. The best gift from God right now is a gift we hold in your hand. Let's offer our prayers of thanksgiving. Just a minute. And I'll pray for us and then we'll continue to respond through songs that reflect our heart's cry. Let's pray together for a minute or so. Father in heaven, we thank you for the teachings of scripture which are very clear. In this world, it's so complicated. But when we come into the word of God, it becomes a lot more clear. That both singleness and marriage are good gifts that come from the hands of a good and wise and loving father. That not one, one is not better than the other. Help us not to neglect the gift we now have, which is the best gift of God for us. Help us not to neglect that while pining and longing for one future past or one that may not be something that you will one day give to us. May we find our greatest joy in you, our deepest contentment in you. Would you help us to know that when we find our great joy in you, delight over us and that you'll continue to be the giver of every good and perfect gift. We thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.